I want you to think with me about the person in your life's journey who has had the greatest impact on your life in a positive way. The person in your life's journey who has had the greatest impact on your life in a positive manner. And if any of you have got a desire and the courage to just to say their name, you could raise your hand, I'll point it out, and you just, all you got to do is just say their name. Yes. Mom. Mom. All right. Good. Yes. Vicki. Okay. Yes. Tom. All right. Yes. Danny. Danny. Okay. Yes. Margaret. Good. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. Yes, Barry. Is it Jonathan? My wife. All right. <laughs> All right. Yes. Your teacher. Let's move on. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Good. Whoever that person was whether they were an official, formal teacher, and in many cases from what you've shared, they were not, that person functioned in the best sense of the word as a teacher in your life. Because they taught you some things about how to live that had a positive impact on you that have continued to impact your life and help you move forward in life and probably find purpose in life. Realize part of the reason you're on this earth. The Lord Jesus, the night before he was crucified, in John's Gospel, chapter 14, gathers his disciples together and he begins to teach them. And he begins to say to them, I'm going to leave you, but before you freak out about me telling you I'm going to leave you, I'm going to give you someone who's going to come alongside of you. And this one that I'm going to give you that's going to come alongside of you, he is going to be many different things to you. And we saw last week that the Holy Spirit, which is this gift that Jesus is giving, is an advocate in our lives, and that is he comes alongside of us and we go to prayer to stand before the Lord and to say, listen to my child here, listen to this one that stands before you. He, he or she comes in the name of Jesus, in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get an audience with God when we pray because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus did for us. He is our comforter. He comes alongside of us to take the sting out of death and the sting out of the Experiences we have in life that can overwhelm us. So he is our comforter. He comes alongside our lives to strengthen us and to help us. And he comes to be our, the revealer. His job is to reveal Jesus to us and to teach us about Jesus. And in that capacity, he is the teacher. So turn with me in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14 where Jesus is going to teach us about how the Holy Spirit is the teacher in our lives. How he teaches us about the Lord Jesus. He teaches us about how to have a relationship with the Lord. A lot of folks 
come to know Jesus as their Savior. They get baptized. And then they basically think it's all over for the most part that they get to heaven someday. So they're looking forward to get to heaven, but not too sure what God's got for them between here and heaven. And what Jesus is instructing us here is that he is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is given to us to teach us every day. We're going to discuss it today and look at how he's the teacher, and we're going to look at what he teaches. But there's so much that God has for you between the time you trust him as your Savior and when you get to heaven, and if we begin to tap into and receive the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, we will discover what the Lord's got for us. Don't want you to miss what the Lord's got for you. John's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. John 14, beginning with verse 25. Jesus speaking here, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or in my authority. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, what does he teach? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled or agitated, Neither let them be afraid. And the word afraid there speaks of a heart that's palpitating in fear. All right, so how does the Spirit of God teach us? First of all, Jesus says that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, part of the context of this passage, and I'm going to bring this in throughout the message, is that when Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the teacher... The audience that originally heard this, the disciples, would have been operating out of the function of a teacher and how education worked in their day, particularly in the Jewish system of education. And in the Jewish system of education, it was very, very different than the way we understand education in our society. When I say the terms teacher, what many of you would think is a formal classroom with you know, chairs and desks and a teacher standing up there lecturing, etc. That was not the way education worked in the ancient world of Jesus' day. And so try to take that mind frame that we've been conditioned with in this country and push it out of your mind because that's not what he's talking about here. In the Jewish education system that these disciples would have grown up in, the father in the home was in charge of either teaching the children or securing education for them. And so when he says that the Father, God, is going to send a teacher, they would have understood immediately that as God is the Father, it would be his responsibility to see that we are taught. Now he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my name. Anytime you see the term in my name, it means in my authority and under my authority. And the idea there is that the Holy Spirit comes with the authority of Jesus and we are to receive the Spirit's ministry into our lives and live under the authority of Jesus. So as I receive the ministry of the Spirit into my life, I am receiving the authority of Jesus and as I listen to the Spirit of God teach me and as I obey what He's teaching me, then I am submitting my life to the authority of Jesus. 
Now, what is he going to teach us? If you hold your finger in John chapter 15 and move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and beginning with verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. It's going to tell us how he is going to be teaching us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 beginning with verse 9. The Apostle Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth. And he says these words, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, and no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now catch what Paul is saying here. No eye has seen, nor has the ear heard, nor has the heart of man even begun to imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared some great stuff for you and me. But Paul is saying, we can't see it, we can't hear it, and we can't understand it. We can't even imagine what the Lord has for us. So how in the world are we going to learn it? These things, verse 10, these things God has revealed to us, how? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God that we can't see, that we cannot hear, that we can't even imagine. And then the Spirit of God reveals that to us. Have you ever had this experience? And if you're in the medical field, please endure this illustration. You go to the doctor and you sit there and the doctor comes in and tells you in medical language what's wrong with you and you don't have any more of a clue when the doctor finishes and when he got started as to what is wrong with you. And then the nurse comes in and gives you the interpretation. And then it's like the lights come on. Okay, this is what, what the issue is. Well, it is the job of the Holy Spirit to take the deep things of God that we don't comprehend and we don't understand. How many of us have said, I just don't understand where God is and what he's doing in my life right now. I just don't understand what the will of God is. I just can't get a clue as to what God is up to, what his purpose is. How many times do we say that as we journey through life? I can't figure out what God is doing in that person's life that I prayed for and prayed for. I can't find out, figure out what God is up to in this situation. I can't figure out God. Every time I think I've got him a little figured out, he just gets up the next morning and changes it all. It is the purpose, it is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to take all that stuff that we don't understand and we can't even imagine and to sit it down and make it to where we can understand it. If we will avail ourselves of the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now notice what Jesus says, verse 27, back to John's gospel. He says, the Spirit of God is going to tell you everything that I have said to you, and he's going to bring it to your remembrance. Now, follow me on this. If the Spirit of the Lord is going to bring things to my remembrance, I've got to remember them first. I've got to get it up here first so he can bring it to my memory. Folks, one of the reasons that we need to be in the Word of God every day is so the Holy Spirit has got something to work with to bring to our remembrance. If I don't have any truth in me, I cannot remember 
that truth. And when you read the Word of God every day, you're placing into your mind what the Spirit of God can then take and bring to your remembrance. God's going to give you truth at 6 o'clock in the morning that you may wonder, why in the world is God giving me this truth? And at 10 o'clock, you will know why. But if you miss it at 6, you won't have it at 10. Because he cannot bring truth to our remembrance that we never took time to get in the first place. He'll teach you something on Monday that you think, I don't know why in the world God's showing me this out of his word, but on Friday you'll be clinging to that truth. But in order to cling to that truth on Friday, we have to get it on Monday. When God begins to show you and teach you things from his word and you don't understand why God's showing you, God knows what's coming. And he's planning it in your heart and in your mind to bring that to your remembrance. Now, in the Jewish teaching system of those days, Jesus, again, is saying the Spirit's going to be a teacher to you. In that system, they taught the kids... Deuteronomy 6, 7, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, it was to be spontaneously receiving the word of God. And the Jewish boys had scriptures that were put in little boxes and attached to their heads and tied to their heads. And if you look at some Orthodox Jews today, you'll notice those little boxes are on their heads sometimes, particularly during festivals. That goes right back to the Old Testament system of teaching you had the Word of God attached to their heads. It was also attached to their left arm. And the reason for that is that when they prayed, it would represent that the Word of God was up against their heart. And they were wearing the Scriptures for this reason. It was saying that the Word of God penetrates your mind and penetrates your heart, and that all day long, at any particular time, you can be learning from the Lord. Now, when Jesus says the Spirit of God is going to be your teacher, what he's saying is the Spirit of God is going to be spontaneous in the way he chooses to teach you. One of the problems we get in is that God's going to show me and teach me when I'm sitting in church on Sunday morning, and that's true. But you know something? The Spirit of God can teach you tonight at home before you go to bed. He'll teach you tomorrow morning when you get out of bed. He will teach you anywhere. And the next time you go through a difficult situation... Instead of freaking out in the situation, ask the Lord, God, where are you in this and what do you got to teach me in this? What do you want to show me in this? The next time you go through a good situation, God, what are you trying to teach me? You see, the Spirit's teaching ministry is spontaneous. It is ever-present. It's going on all the time. If we just open up and receive what the Lord has got for us. Now, education in those days was also accompanied by music. And music was used as part of the way that they taught the children. And what they were trying to say is that education isn't just of the mind. It also speaks to the soul. And so God, when he teaches and works in our lives by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there's always going to be some rhythm to it. There's always going to be sort of a musical way that he goes about doing that because he's not just trying to get facts into our heads. He's trying to get his life, his energy into our souls. Now notice what he teaches in verse 27. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be agitated or restless. Go through life frustrated. Don't go through life being afraid. Your heart palpitating out of your chest because you're scared to death. He says, because I want you to have 
my peace. Notice the use of the personal possessive pronoun there. I want you to have my peace. It is the peace of Jesus that the Spirit of God is going to teach us to have. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the helper, and he's going to teach you. And what is he going to teach you? He's going to teach you how to have and to live in my peace. If I'm listening to the Spirit of God, if I'm being taught by the Spirit of God, then I'm going to be taught the peace of God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But you and I have to choose, am I going to receive brokenness into my life, or am I going to receive peace into my life? And let me show you folks how this works. You get up tomorrow morning, and you start traveling through your day, and you are going to be confronted with brokenness almost before you put your feet on the floor. The first place you and I confront brokenness is inside of us. We confront the brokenness and we encounter the brokenness of our past. We encounter things that have, been ha that have happened to us in the past that have the potential to bring and produce more brokenness in our lives that make us empty and incomplete. And then as you go out the door, you will begin to encounter people who are broken, and they may attempt to place their brokenness inside of you. And when you and I choose to receive people's brokenness and let it become part of us, we get more broken. And that's a decision that we make, but sometimes we don't even realize we are making it. When you are working with someone who is driving you nuts, and they are just chewing you up and spitting you out, and you hate going to work, what's happening is you are receiving the brokenness of the person that you're working with. Some of you may feel like, I live with somebody who is so broken, and they just put their brokenness out on me all the time, and you're receiving that brokenness and living in that brokenness, and their brokenness is becoming your brokenness. Some of you continuously relive the brokenness that happened to you years ago by someone who perpetrated their brokenness on you. When I receive someone else's brokenness, it becomes a part of me. And what Jesus is saying here is stop taking on other people's brokenness and take on my peace. Let my peace, the peace of God, my peace that can heal you not the peace of this world, not the peace that we try to produce. Jesus is saying the Spirit of God is going to bring my peace into your life. So receive that peace. Now, what is that peace? I want you to write this down. The sermon note, place, third part of page of your bulletin. The idea of peace, the Old Testament word was shalom. The New Testament word, erinae. It means completeness, completeness. It is the idea of fulfilling a purpose. Completeness and the fulfilling of a purpose. It has two major aspects to it. One is functional, we're going to talk about in just a second, and the second is relationship. I'm going to talk about next. First of all, the peace of God, the completeness that God wants to bring to your life, the peace of God, the, the completeness, the fulfilling of purpose. It is knowing the purpose of God 
Specifically, the purpose of God for your life, the purpose of God for our life together is knowing the purpose of God and living the purpose of God. Why does God have you on this earth? What does God want to accomplish through your life? Where is God in your life? That peace that Jesus is talking about here is that my life becomes aligned with the purpose of God and I begin to function according to the purpose of God. I begin to walk in the purpose of God and the direction of my life is the direction that God has for my life. Let me illustrate it this way. Everybody in here has got a body, unless you're a ghost. Your body has got organs in it, heart, kidneys, etc. If those organs are functioning the way they are supposed to function, then you're healthy. If those organs begin to not function, even one of them begins to not function the way it's supposed to function, you and I get sick and we're headed to the doctors. What he's saying here is the peace of God causes us to begin to function the way God intended for us to function. So when I receive the peace of Jesus and he begins to complete me, I begin to function the way God designed me to function. I begin to move in the direction that God wants me to move. And let me say this as an aside to it on family life in a marriage. When two people in a marriage, when a husband and a wife are living in the peace of God and are functioning as God intended for them to, then together in their marriage, they will be functioning together in the purpose that God has for their marriage. When one or both mates are not walking with the Lord and serving the Lord and functioning as God designed you to function, then guess what happens in the marriage? The marriage begins to fray because the marriage itself is not functioning the way God intended for it to function. Second is the aspect of relationship. That completeness he talks about is a completeness of relationship. It is a completeness of relationship with Jesus. Now, again, hold your finger in John 15, and if you'll turn with me to Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. Paul's going to talk here about what, how God wants us to know him. The Spirit of God's going to be a teacher. How is he going to teach us in a relationship with the Lord to know him? Peace of God. This peace is the peace of function and purpose. It is secondly the peace of relationship. But in the relationship that I'm going to have with Jesus, this peace of relationship, how does he want me to know him? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Paul says that I may know him. Now the word know there is a Greek word that means not just intellectual knowledge, it means knowledge by experience. I know him by experiencing him. How am I going to experience him? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul is saying I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life. Easter Sunday is not just about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is about every day of our lives. The same power that burst forth from the tomb in the person of the Lord Jesus is the same power that can be, needs to be experienced in my life. 
He says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And boy, we say amen and hallelujah to that. Who doesn't want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in their life? But then notice what he says next. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. May share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul said, I really want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But I also want to know what it is to suffer with him and to suffer for him completely. And what most of us do at that point is we say, Jesus, I want to know the blessings and I want to know the power of the resurrection and I want to know your comfort, but I do not want to know suffering. In fact, Jesus, isn't it the task, your task, to remove suffering from my life? And you see, if we're not careful what we do when we go through times of suffering, and we ask God to remove the suffering, and God doesn't remove the suffering, we feel like God has failed us, God hasn't shown up in our life, God's taken a trip on us, and what we decide we're going to do? We're just going to walk away from God because we've decided God's already walked away from us. And what Paul is saying here is, I want to know Jesus, but I want to know Jesus fully and completely. And in order to know Jesus fully and completely and to experience him, I've got to know him at the place of suffering, not just the place of power. I've got to live in Good Friday, not just Easter Sunday. That's the deep things of God. And folks, when you and I go through seasons of suffering, whatever form they take, they're either going to make our relationship with God or they're going to probably break our relationship with God. We're either going to be able to find God in that and go deeper with Jesus or we're going to give up and get frustrated and angry and just walk away from God. And it all comes down to, Lord, when I go through the sufferings, I want to go through them with you. I want to learn everything I can. I recognize that you have not come into my life to remove suffering and pain, but you have come into my life to journey with me through it. And Lord, I want to find how I can get closer to Jesus and understand Jesus more through that. And when you do that, then you come to know the peace of the Lord. Let me tell you something, and I've had this in my own journey. I understand it's, it's easy to get angry with God and say, I want to walk away from the Lord and I'm fed up with God and all that because he didn't show up and he didn't help me. But when we do that, we don't get peace. We get more anxiety and more anger and more frustration and more emptiness. We do not get peace. If we'll hang in there with the Lord and struggle and say, Lord, I'm going to just stay in this till I find where you are in this, till I find the purpose you've got, until I find you in a deeper way, 
we will get to that place of peace. It is not an easy journey, but it is a journey worth taking. And it is a journey that we have to take if we're going to truly know His peace. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I want to ask you in a time of quiet before the Lord to ask the Spirit of God to teach you, to help you learn to listen, There was a hymn that was written a number of years ago with these words, Spirit of a living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of a living God, fall fresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, teach me. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. And just ask him right now in prayer to be your teacher. And if you're journeying through one of those seasons of suffering, the more questions and seemingly no answers, and say, Jesus, help me just to get to where I can know you deeper and better. our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here today and you need to give <clears throat> your life to Jesus and serve Him and follow Him, I want to invite you to come as we sing in just a moment. And say, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to know you. If you're here and you sense that God is calling you to become part of our, <clears throat> excuse me, church family, I invite you to come. If the Lord has been speaking to you and nudging you and calling you into the ministry, you need to say yes to Him, then come. And if you say, you know, I want to come, but I'm a little nervous about that, feel free to ask someone there you know around you to say, hey, would you come with me? Scripture is filled with folks who came to Jesus that a friend came with them and say, hey, would you walk the aisle with me? Every person Jesus called, he called publicly, and that's the reason we ask folks to make a public decision. Lord God, of the power of the Holy Spirit, Fall fresh on us today, we ask.
in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.